Welcome to LeapCast. I'm your host, Dr. George James. LEAP stands for leaders, entertainers, athletes, and performers. And I'm on a journey to connect with high achievers and highlight their unexamined human moments. Tune in to learn how these high-achieving LEAP individuals were able to reach their greatest potential, face their most difficult challenges, and embrace the human moments that helped them along the way. If you want to get the episode highlights directly in your email, then head to theleapcast.com right now to subscribe. Today, I have the honor, the privilege to bring on a very good friend, a very good new friend, relatively, that I just appreciate so much. Uh, Tanya Nayak has been uh, so amazing. She's done so many great things. She's a celebrity interior designer. I'm like, I'm so curious and excited about this conversation. So Tanya, thanks for joining uh, LeapCast today. How are you doing? Thanks for being here and all of that. George, thank you. First, I'm like super excited to chat with you because I'm always excited to chat with you, number one. I mean, we have such a great connection and you are just such an awesome person. So I'm really pumped about this uh, new podcast of yours. I'm sure it's going to just fly off the charts. Oh, well, thank you. I, I will take that energy and that positivity and put it out there. So, you know, part of what this podcast is just learning more about people and just having these great conversations. And I'm excited, too, about what we're going to talk about today. The first part that I really like to do is what we call uh, the leap story, which is more about like just learning more about you and how you got to where you are. Like, how did you get yeah. to this part of your life and this part of your career? So if you just take us a little bit through your journey, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, for people out there who don't really know a lot about my background, I know you mentioned I, I do interior design and, and television shows, weird combination, but it, it is what it is. Um, you know, I, I grew up, Indian American and like most Indian people of my generation, if you ask them what it was like, what their expectations were from their parents, it was always the doctor, lawyer, engineer. I was waiting for the engineer. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I know you went to Villanova, right? I did. And the reason why I say that is because I, you know, a son of Jamaican parents is very similar, right? Similar, right. Doctor, lawyer, engineer, nurse. I, I find that's kind of across the board with, you know, other areas around the world, you know? And, and so um, I, I grew up kind of really like, gosh, I don't really know what I want to do because I've always been so creative. So I, I kind of went along with it. I went and I did my undergrad in business marketing okay. and only because, you know, what's funny. And I'm sorry, I'm going to divert here for a no, second, but no, I'm just talking to someone. <laughs> I was just talking to someone the other day who had a master's in social media, a master's degree in social media, which yeah, makes a that. lot of sense. That I does. know, neither did I. <laughs> and me having a marketing background, I was like, well, that makes, it actually did make a lot of sense to me that this is what is all the marketing is through social media these days. So it does make a lot of sense. But back then when we were going to school, I don't feel like there were that many creative different opportunities for us to get these degrees in. So I was like, all right, business marketing it is. Seems as creative as I can get in that like uh, the box, you know, mm-hmm. that my parents were kind of setting for me. So business, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Business. So I went to school for that and it was fine. You know, I did a bunch of jobs after that, that I literally was like, nope, nope. And nope. I mean, I worked as a hearing aid technician, <laughs> like they were all, uh, they were all sales jobs. So sadly, 
that is a, a sales position. <laughs> if someone doesn't know, if you go into, I won't name the names, but anyways. Um, I didn't think about that. Uh, right. Yeah. It's about yeah. getting more sales for hearing aids, right? right? Exactly. And, and if you can imagine you knowing me well enough by now to know I didn't make a single sale. <laughs> Not a single sale. I couldn't. But you do make good it. friends. I, I, I could believe you made good friends, though. Oh, I had a lot of bad coffee with a lot of sweet old people, you know, and, and spent lots of time with them chatting. But I would always clean their hearing aids and I would fix them, and I would just like so I made no money. So needless to say, that was not the path I was going down. So after numerous jobs that just weren't a right fit for me, I literally had this moment of an aha, kind of like, what am I doing? I'm too young. I need to. I can't be doing a job I hate for the rest of my life. So let me figure this out. And so I ended up waking up the next day, marched my butt right over to the Boston Architectural College. My dad is an architect. Okay. So yeah, so I've always had this sort of creative side in my blood, but I knew I didn't really want to be an architect. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went to school. I got my master's in interior architecture. So this is where the interior design background comes from. Okay. And I, I don't want to bore everybody you're not born anymore. So okay. <laughs> look, it doesn't matter. It's me, me and you right now. So I'm so okay. fascinated by what you're saying. <laughs> well, thank you. So I, basically, I've always been a dancer. You know, really? since I was five years old, I've always been like the little entertainer in the family. You know, I'm the youngest. I'm a Pisces. I just would always be running around putting on shows for my family. I love and it. then I was a bartender. So when you're bartending, you're kind of like mm -hmm. on stage too. I was in the school play. So I always like to kind of put my out there so an opportunity came up while i was working on my masters and they said hey guys really great learning opportunity there is an audition for a show and we just think it'd be a great learning experience for you all so we encourage all the students to go and i was such like a like um you know whatever the dean yeah. says whatever the teacher says i was always that person who'd go do it first one raise I like, hand. Oh. i'll do it yeah me i'm always sitting front and center in the class <laughs> that annoying person so i ended up going and auditioning and i got the job and it was actually a show on abc family so it wasn't just some small little show it was like a yeah. big national show i ended up going international and it was really the start of my career and the start of where my passion sparked because I was like, whoa, this is a job. Like I'm getting paid to do this. Yes. You're kidding me. Which I think is the feeling that everybody should have with no matter what job they're doing. You should always be able to say, oh my God, am I getting paid to do this? What? You know, so, so there's the background. So basically that's how I kind of started with interior design, ended up in television, but now I do both. Design firm, juggle the shows. I, I love like what you just shared. And, you know, it, it, one, it reminds me of some things that I say to people often about giving yourself permission because I had to give myself permission. And I remember yes. the moment for me was in college. You know, I did some plays as well in high school, didn't do it in college. And then finishing college, I did one acting class. I'm like, you know, I really like this. And then in my master's program, while I was learning to be a therapist, I was actively going on auditions, going to acting classes, doing at the same really? time. I was crazy, right? But it was just something that I enjoyed. And so when I hear you, right, being able to say that, like, this is something that you enjoyed, you know, when you moved to uh, the architectural school and program, and I guess I'm wondering that moment where you said, you know what, I'm going to go get this master's. I'm going to go after this thing that's within me. What allowed you to do that? I really had that 
I know exactly the very minute it, that moment happened. My sister was working for a company that required travel. So she went, she went to Spain and she told my parents and I to like tag along, you know, well, you guys can all crash in my room. And because I was a bartender, my hours were always off anyways. And then the time difference. So I was lying there in bed and I just had that moment of like, gosh, I can't be doing this, these jobs that I'm just not fulfilled and happy with. So it was like a spark. And then I knew that that as soon as I got home, I was going to go change this. But what's really crazy about this, George, is we were talking about like my family and the expectations and some of the pressure growing up. Most people wouldn't tell their parents if they were going to get a body piercing or a tattoo, right? I did not tell my parents I wanted to go get my master's degree, <laughs> like what I wanted to do, because I didn't want anyone to change my mind. I knew... I just knew that I wanted to get into interior design, interior architecture. So I was like, I'm just going to go and do this. I'm going to sign up and then I'm going to tell them. So not, I didn't have anyone persuading me to change my mind. So I guess if you ask me like really what, why I actually gave myself the permission, I don't really have an answer <laughs> for that. I just knew that I wanted to be happy. That's it. Oh, but, that, but that was so powerful because so many times we have these moments in life where we want to be happy but then we make decisions or we have rules or family and we don't allow ourselves to be happy. And I love like what, what you're saying, at least how I'm hearing this, is that sometimes when you make the decision to be happy, sometimes you gotta protect it, even from those we're around, because if we don't protect it, like it could, they could try to take it from us or we could give it away. You know how many times 100%. people give away like their happiness or something that is oh meaningful for them? So like just hearing you say that is just so powerful. The thought of like, I want to do this. And then the, the part that I love, you know, that I've experienced too in my own life is there was a part in my life where I would just say yes to things. I would volunteer, even if I wasn't sure. And yeah. And and so tell me about that moment, right? I know you were used to doing it, but when you volunteered and you realized it wasn't the small thing, like what was going, if you can remember, what was going through your mind during that experience? When I volunteered to what? To go back to school? Sorry, no, no, when you, sorry, when you volunteered to do this project, this thing that they said would be nice, you know, it ends up being this TV thing. Like how did- Oh, you... yeah, 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 the, the audition. <laughs> um, you know, what was really funny about it was uh, sometimes in life, we kind of put ourselves in what we think people want us to be, right? So we're, and I bet it happens a lot with actors. If they go in for an audition, they kind of put on what they think they want that person to be. Yeah. So this wasn't really for a role. This is for a reality TV show. So I remember going in there and I, I just said, I'm going to be myself. And I remember I, I put on an outfit that I would have wore kind of like bartending, you know, like I put on, I'll never forget it. I had these pink diesel track pants, a red tank top. I had my hair and two ponytails on top of my head, like sporty spice, you know, and um, I, yeah, but I, I think it was so fun for me because I didn't care. This is the answer to your question. Yeah. I didn't care if I got it or not. I just thought it was going to be a fun experience to audition. So to let go of that and to be able to just say, just have fun. Who cares? Like, uh, am I really going to get the show? I mean, I, I know that shows a lack of confidence, but I wasn't worried about it. Oh my God, I'm just going to go and have a good time. But then as I went in and the audition went really well, then I was like, Oh, I kind of really want this. And then, you know, and then time went by and I didn't hear anything. I'm like, Oh, I really want this. You know? <laughs> oh, so. that is so powerful. Like I know there's so many times where 
I know for me and so many people I've worked with where we can wind ourselves up so much because we want it, right? We want it so much that we get so anxious and we're all in our heads and then we can't just be, we can't perform or we can't just show who we are because we're thinking about all the possibilities. But you were able to just walk in there and just say like, you know, this is me and, and, and they felt it and they connected with you right in that moment. And so that, that's, that's just awesome hearing like your journey. I do want to go back. I have something back. to say about that, though, actually, you know, and it's uh, it's interesting because it's helped me tremendously in my life with jobs and auditions and things is to take that fear away because you have the strongest belief that's what met, is meant to be is is going to happen. Right. So for me, I could have I could be this close to getting something that I just always wanted and then it falls apart and it doesn't happen and sure you're allowed to be disappointed give yourself the permission to be disappointed or sad for a period of time but being disappointed and sad is not going to change the outcome of what just happened so pick yourself up and and realize that whoever it is that you believe in or whatever it is you believe in did it to protect you from something to protect you from the notion that maybe this didn't happen because it just wasn't for you and it wasn't right for you and then move on and th- and say thank you you know like be grateful for the fact that it didn't happen because you never know why that is such an important mindset and way to i think to live life right to mm-hmm. especially that last part where you said to be grateful for the disappointments i mean that's not something that you hear people say and and offer a lot but I think it's so true and so needed because we can be stuck in the disappointment uh, and the, mm-hmm. the missed opportunities. I know I have. I would repeat, I'm like, I should have said that or could have said that or why didn't mm-hmm. I do that or why didn't I wear that, whatever it might be. But sometimes it's just really being grateful. And so many times I've heard, especially from amazing, wonderful people like yourself, that those disappointments ended up turning out to be pretty uh, timely or good or necessary mm-hmm. for whatever that yeah. next thing might have been. Absolutely. I'm curious about, you know, and, and maybe this, I'm curious because it I have a, this identity right, where my parents were from another country. I was born in the States. And so I'm wondering for you, uh, if you were born here in the U.S. or if you were born in India or somewhere else, and mm-hmm. how do you think, if any, just a cultural identity shaped you in, in, in any way? Really good question. <laughs> so my my parents, they came here before I was born. My dad, brilliant man, full scholarship to MIT. So he kind of got here and got us grounded. I just coincidentally happened to be born in India. They went back for a vacation to visit <laughs> family and I was born there. So I was born in India, but conceived, you know, right, it was here. They just happened to be yeah. away. Oh, it happened to be away. Yeah. You're like, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm coming. Yeah. But by all accounts, I am 100% the first generation, obviously, here because my, my parents grew up in India, their whole lives were spent there until he came here for his his master's. So um, how it shaped me growing up as this, this is what you're asking, right? Second generation and having Yeah. Uh, it taught me a, a lot of different values that I I do see with other friends of mine that have a similar situation where, you know, I have a, a dear friend of mine who's from Croatia and her, her 
family. She's first generation Canadian, but her parents are from Croatia. Another dear friend of mine, she's first generation Greek. You know, I, I uh, lots of Indian friends of mine growing up that are first generation. There's a core set of values and respect that we put towards family and friends. And there's just like a, um, it's a little different than what I've experienced in some other situations, you know, like there's just a priority that's put there, you know, um, a level of respect also for our elders, you know, or, you know, whatever, but I don't know. I think just it's it shaped my work ethic in a way that sometimes I look back and I, it, it bothers me a little bit that I'm because of the pressures that were put on growing up. Sometimes I take on too much yeah. because of the expectations of, you know, what our parents expect from us you know they i look at them and i look at my mom and my dad and what they've built here coming from another country not knowing anybody not having any money i'm sure it's the same with your family as well you know and it's, it's pretty wild to see what they've achieved yeah i i think about my family and i just don't know how they did it right like no i don't I, know I, like i'm i'm a full adult and i don't know how they did it i don't know how yeah. they managed right how, how they you know sacrificed their time worked so hard so many hours so many jobs and still had mm. time for family for faith for community it it you know when i think about it i'm inspired i also hear what you're saying uh, this thought of like we have to carry a lot and then how that can show up in our work or what we take on. And I've heard so many people, especially a lot of high achievers who say like, they're just used to taking on a lot and, and not never navigating the balance. And so I guess, as you said that, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how did you figure out or, or figuring out balance in your life? Dr. George, I'm glad we're talking today. <laughs> I'm at a pivotal point in my career right now where I am trying to figure it out because I don't feel like I'm balanced. I feel like I'm a little overwhelmed, to be quite honest. You know, I'm, I'm taking on a lot of things and I'm getting older. You know, I'm I'm turning 49 in February. Knows that. No, that's not true. She's <laughs> it's true. like 25. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the Indian skin or whatever. I don't know. That's but, what they say, right? Well, that's, you know? that's a whole other yeah. show. <laughs> a whole other thing. Yeah, but um, thank you for saying that. No, I, I feel like I'm at a place in my life where I don't want to keep having to prove over and over and over and over again and keep adding more to my plate because the more I add to my plate for some reason my plate keeps getting bigger and I have to keep filling it up again you know it's like yes I, my plate's full and now all of a sudden it, it just grew so um I don't know I'm trying to figure it out right now I'm trying to figure out what I I I know this is happening with everybody right now everyone's kind of rethinking and reshaping what they want in life and, and that's a good thing you know it's good to just not be overwhelmed and try to figure out what makes you happy. No, I, I, I haven't thought about it in the way you just described, right? This thought of like, all right, this mindset, and I've heard it and I've said it, you know, I'm just putting some stuff on my plate and then some things will get off the plate. But in reality, we keep putting it on. And yes, magically, the plate did get bigger. Yeah. <laughs> more than I ever did. Now I have three plates. How did yeah, that Yeah, yeah, exactly. I have a big party platter going on right now. How did that happen? And, yeah. and, and the weight of that and the challenge of that. And I think like, 
and at the same time still performing and still being successful and still being at the top of your game, which I know you are, but also trying to figure out what that looks like. And I, I think that is important. It's something that I'm thinking about and, and rethinking. And I think it's just so important of like, how do we figure out that, figure that out? And especially those moments where we're like, we feel it, right? Where we're like, like you said, I, I don't feel like having to prove myself anymore. I, I don't need to prove myself anymore. No, I am amazing. Yes, yes, exactly. And yet, and maybe this goes back to our heritage yeah. and our culture of constantly feeling like we have to prove ourselves, you know, yeah. I, you get to a point, there are times where with my business, I'm looking at a client and their budget, what they have, and I'm always trying to work with their budget, but then sometimes underselling and undervaluing mm. myself because I just want to make them happy, you know? And so sometimes I need to take a step back and no. think about that. Uh, you know, I appreciate that in terms of how many times high achieving, amazing people undervalue themselves. I, I've, we love what we do. I've undervalued myself, right? Where, And then as a result, I got to add more <laughs> to get to my value, which then once again, makes me have like this party platter. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to coin that phrase. Like stop putting it's more. Like, it's, the, it's the uh, Super Bowl size right. <laughs> party platter. <laughs> Uh, and so, you know, I, I I think that is really important in just taking inventory in where we are. Um, and I'm I'm going to come back to that in a little bit. I'm I know that you've done amazing things, right? And you said like you've balanced uh, between having your own interior design company and the work that you do for so many people and great clients. But you've also done this uh, on TV. <laughs> you've had like amazing networks. You just said ABC Family. I know ABC. I know HGTV. You uh, what, Food Network, I think. Like you've had yeah, yeah. so many more. And so tell me what that journey has been like to to be on TV, to help people beyond the one or two clients that's in front of you to now helping people across the country, even across the world. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's so fun for me to be able to get out there. Weirdly, sometimes I get a little bit of like a public speaking social anxiety face to face when I'm, if I'm not you, I watched your TED talks and all this. You're like, no, you're just so comfortable too. up there. I, for one, I get a little anxious when I'm face to face in front of a crowd, but you put that camera in front of me and I am more, more at ease, which is usually the opposite for people, right? Um, I don't, you know, I know that with HGTV and Food Network, I'm, I'm lucky that I have the privilege of not only being able to help people with their homes, but to be able to help small restaurant businesses. They struggle so much, you know, and, and my family, my husband and I were restaurateurs. I get, I feel their struggle, I understand. And so, uh, to be able to help on a broader scale like that is remarkable. However, I always just think it's just my mom at home watching the show. Like I forget <laughs> how many people are watching. Yes, so, yes. so it's always pretty wild to me if somebody comes up to me and they're like, oh, we love your designs and we love your show. My husband teases me in the sense that he's like, you know, you always, you always talk a little too long. They're probably like, we just want to get the hell out of here. This girl just keeps talking to us. <laughs> he was like, really? You saw me? Uh, no, a lot of people I'll over ask them questions. I'll be like, oh, so tell me about your house and where do you live? And blah, blah, blah. Like I go on and on and on. And Brian's always like, girl, 
just wanted to say hi. That's it. No, no, but you know, I think that does also just say something about you and your personality and your, your ability just to engage people. I mean, I'm a witness, right? From the first time we met, like just feeling so connected and so comfortable, and you have that way, right? You have that ability on screen and in person to to be able to do that and I, you, we know not everybody can do that and you know yeah your mom is watching but a lot of other people <laughs> I like, but i get it too right i get the thought of like sometimes not remembering who's out there and sometimes you have to not remember because if you thought like, right, like that's watching right now <laughs> that probably would not be good and right. so i just love that you've been able to do that and and so this is, you know, I'm curious about these moments where you're helping people on this larger scale. Like, what does it feel like to know that some of your ideas or projects or uh, the shows or episodes you're working on really are inspiring people? Like, how does that feel for you? We do a reveal, right? So I'm lucky enough that I'm in an industry where these makeover shows always have a reveal, right? And when I'm doing the makeover with our team, I sometimes it's tough because TV schedules are tight and construction, if any, and I know you just underwent a construction project that never goes as planned, right? right? There's always setbacks, there's always holdups. So, and there's always uncovered things where you're like, oh man, I didn't know that that was the situation here. So there's a lot of variables involved. So we get really focused, laser focus on the project at hand, getting done on time, finishing it up. But it's, sometimes it's easy to forget actually why we're there and why this makeover is happening mm -hmm. until we do the reveal. Nice. Then the reveal happens and tears and emotions. And, and then I always, on every episode, I always sit back and I think of how I feel like that makeover, which seems very materialistic, but it's not. It's way deeper than that. How that makeover has affected that person internally mentally you know all of it like the, especially with the restaurants and their business and how you feel now when you walk in the door even if it's if it's your house or your restaurant your business how you feel when you walk in what that does to you and it yeah maybe it is just a paint color maybe it is just a throw pillow whatever but if it it gives you some kind of happy endorphins then that's going to carry throughout the rest of the day. You're going to be a little happier that day. You're going to smile a little bit more, you know, or for the businesses with the restaurants, when they walk in, they're proud. They feel pride about their business and they are going to work harder, therefore make more money, live a better life. So I'm not trying to say it's all because of the design, but it certainly is a starting point. No, I, I think, you know, it is a great, um, feeling to be able to do that just hearing that and i'm a, like i said I, <laughs> I i'm a witness right i've been able to experience some of that on a, on a small level uh, you know tanya's are uh, one of my good friends and I, I, I that i've been able to meet in this most you know recent time in the past you know two years and you know, I had to do a project at my home and who do I call? I call up my friend <laughs> and she was so gracious uh, to just give me some thoughts about what I was doing. And I I'm so thankful, right? Just yesterday, uh, my children were 
playing on the chalkboard wall <laughs> that we created. Right? <laughs> Good. I wasn't even thinking about that, right? And so this thought of like creating a space that your family can really enjoy and feel happy you know, like I remember my my wife would say, like, oh, I don't really like basements, right? But she spends time in the basement now, right? And now, now, right, yeah. Now, right. right. So I think that there's a way that it is transformative, right? It is it is an impact. And if you feel better in your business or in your home or in your restaurant, from my vantage point, that that changes how you feel. That then that changes how you interact with other people. Correct. Your day, and so like mm -hmm. you're there changing lives. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know I know everybody's budget is different, but there, there, is something that can be done at any budget, and it could even just be cleaning and organizing. So if somebody's going to clean up and organize their space, it's going to free their mind a little bit more to focus on other things. So you know. I, it's something I'm very passionate about. I love what I do, but I will say, I've often thought about this. If I only did TV, I don't know if I would be as fulfilled. If I only did my business, I don't know that I would be as fulfilled. I like being able to have both. And I think it's what gives me a little bit of sanity in the sense that if a show doesn't happen for six months or something like that, or a year, who knows, that I have something else that is still keeping that fire, you know, field right and your creativity and your skills allow you to do things across you know these platforms which i think is really really awesome so with all that you've done all these amazing things that we're talking about can you think of something uh, a moment that you felt like really great for you or a successful moment or a moment that stands out for you throughout your career so far yeah yes that's an easy one for me actually so I, I had auditioned to be a, a brand ambassador for Ellen DeGeneres. So she had a product line that was being launched on QVC, but be, normally it's always the person who owns a product line is the person that goes and sells it on QVC. Ellen was the first and so far to date that I know of the only exception that they made because she films her show in LA. She's so busy, but QVC is based out of Pennsylvania. So they needed a brand ambassador. Um, I auditioned for it. Tons of people auditioned for this, this gig, tons of people. They made it down to like the final nine. And then in order to really be selected, we had to do a, like a, an on-air kind of not a screen test with her, but with someone, one of the QVC hosts. But then Ellen watched the final six or nine and she made the final selection who she wanted to be her brand ambassador. So I got the job <laughs> and awesome. part of the introduction was that she wanted me on her show and she was going to introduce to everybody that I am her new brand ambassador. <laughs> That's awesome. No pressure, right? No pressure whatsoever. Oh, I Here I am. Can you imagine this moment? I'm backstage and essentially what she wanted to do was she's basically said, Tanya, when you're on QVC, it's live and anything can happen. So you have to be prepared. So she did this thing with me where I was going on stage and she was gonna blow bubbles in my face while I was doing the pitch. She was like blowing a horn in my ear, beating a drum, throwing confetti, spraying uh, that string, you know, that yeah, spray, yeah. spring stuff <laughs> all over me. Or whatever well, they call it. Yeah, 
and I had to stay focused and actually get through the whole pitch of like selling the product, the lawn ornament, the bowls, the candles, the this, that. It is absolutely so hysterical. I'll send you, I'll send it to you after we're done here. You have to watch it. But I was backstage gearing up for this moment. And I remember thinking, okay, Tanya, I had a full on legitimate panic attack. (laughs) And I, I thought it's not just Ellen. I just met Ellen. I just met her. Like I got to have tea with her right before going out there. So there would be a little connection. Just met Ellen. All of the QVC execs were watching every brand that I was representing. All of the people who owned those brands were watching the people on Ellen's team that hired were watching my management. Like there were all of the people. And then let's not forget a live studio audience and however many million people tune into Ellen DeGeneres' show, right? And I started like panicking backstage. It was like the two minutes prior. Yeah, and I was like, oh my God, don't F this up, Tanya. You know what I mean? Like, don't, this is is like, this could be career suicide for me right here at this moment if it all goes south. And being a doctor, I hope that you'll appreciate where I'm coming from with this because some people think I'm Looney Tunes when I tell this, that this happened. I literally stepped outside of my head, outside of my body, and I had a conversation with myself. Yes. And I told myself, I said, I I envisioned that this self that I was having the conversation with was like a bully, like a person that was always trying to ruin something for me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you're not going to ruin this for me. You can't. I've worked too hard. I have like pushed my whole life to get to this point. You cannot ruin this for me. And that was it. And I went out there and I crushed it. <laughs> oh, I, I love that in so many ways. And I, I'm not surprised that you crushed it. But I, I really love, you know, we all have this negative self-talk that can happen, right? And I think we all do it. And it's, it loves to show up in big moments. And, oh, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like earlier, we were talking about you know, when you're on TV, you don't remember the 12 million people or the however many millions. Oh, yeah, exactly. But with Ellen, and in that moment, you felt the weight of all the people. I have goosebumps right now thinking. Yeah. I still get, like, the goosebumps thinking about it. I can imagine. I mean, that's a, it was a huge moment. And most people, I think if anyone was to say, like, oh, I wasn't nervous or anxious or overwhelmed, they're lying, right? Lying. Lying. (laughs) The fact that you were able to then say, this is my moment (laughs) and bully, you are not going to stop me. Negative self-talk, you're not going to stop me. I'm going to go out there and own this. And I love that because I wish myself and others would do that more that we would own the moments, whether it's a test, whether it's uh, an audition, whether it's a job, whether it's a proposal, I mean, whatever, like own the moment. So I love that you were able to do that. It was almost a blackout type of moment for me. Like it was all literally like I was paralyzed, paralyzed with fear. And when I get nervous, sometimes my voice quivers. It sounds like I'm going to cry. And I was like, I can't even let that happen. Like this is this is not the time. This is not the time for that. <laughs> so, uh, and and Ellen is just you know full of funny and full of antics. So she's doing all this stuff while you're there. <laughs> oh, she was. I mean, really laying it on 
hardcore spraying confetti in my face. And I just had to keep going, just keep going. Cause her whole thing was, you know, you're my new brand ambassador and I, you know, you gotta be ready for anything. Like, okay, <laughs> there it goes. Who did you talk to after that moment? My husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, so my makeup artist that came, she's actually a really good friend of mine and I, I wanted her there as comfort for me and I figured oh, this is good. I can bring her in as my makeup artist. Right. So, right. so yeah, my That's husband. Awesome. So your husband, right. a makeup artist, was was there for you and something i've said to other people like your tribe right part of people who are in your tribe that were able to be there for you to celebrate with you and enjoy that moment uh that you know that just sounds you know really great and and magical and and i guess on the other side you know can you think about moments where there was a setback or disappointment and that really stands out for you um you know, it's funny, you say that you would think things would just come to mind, but I think it's because of the the approach of how I think about things. I don't always really think about Good. the setbacks, you know what I mean? So I wish I had it. I'm sure one will pop up in my mind, but not not at first. Well, I mean, and I think that that's good that it's not present, like top of mind, you know, because like I think sometimes we live with them so much that we don't realize how much space it's taken up. Uh, and it, it's good to hear that uh, that hasn't been the, the case for you. Um, you know, I, I have I, the things that really affect me is when I feel like somebody comes, uh, like somebody I work with that I, I feel like I've given all of my best efforts and best intentions, but they end up not being the person that I thought they were going to be. That's some, that that kind of stuff affects me more because it's more disappointment in, in my judge of character or my belief in that person. Yeah, and I could I could see that, right? Like, and just like you're such a great people person, like in terms of how you engage, and I know that you give to people, and to give who you are, to give your thoughts and your brilliance to people, and they just don't really take care of that or take care of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could. Yeah, that that that's just horrible, and I could totally hear that. You know, in in this work of just impacting people and their spaces and their mindset and from TV to in person or restaurants, uh, I know that you also do work that is connected to giving back or people in need or charity. Uh, Has it just always been part of your heart to give to people in that way? And how has that evolved for you? It took me, it was a little bit, probably not my whole life i will say as i became a professional i realized the importance of giving back and i feel like when i was younger i you know, i was always a part of like girl scouts or whatever these these groups that would give back in those ways you know what i mean i would go to homeless shelters i, I gave back but it became more inherent to me as i got older that i need i want to give back more and i which this would be a whole other conversation, but my husband and I, you know, we, we tried for years and years and years to have kids and we were never able to. And again, this is another one of those things where I have to just say thank you and appreciate that there's a reason why, but, um, I feel like maybe part of my giving back everything that I do, all of the organizations that I'm involved with, with smile train, no kid hungry, um, uh, 
right now it's Tommy's Place, Make-A-Wish Foundation. You know, it's a lot of these organizations that are catered towards children. And it, yeah, it fulfills a void for me that I know that I can help give back to to kids and some, you know, in some ways. So, you know, it, it's something I'm very passionate about. Yeah. You know, to your point earlier that sometimes we can have these disappointments and it's hard to be grateful for something that we really want, uh, or we really feel it can be meaningful for us mm -hmm. to not have that, you know, like for lots of people that could be having children or, and so forth and just hearing your story, but then to find some meaning in that, you know, to find a way how to give to many children and to many families and to impact people in such a significant way. I think that's really mm -hmm. great that you were able, uh, you and your husband were able to find that and to do that and to maybe even uh, find value and, and purpose in doing that and to have so many causes that you're connected to. Yeah, well, I remember thinking back then when I wanted to get involved with more organizations, I remember thinking like, oh, I just don't want to just get involved with an organization just to get involved with one. I want it to feel right and I want to feel connected and passionate about it. And then a friend of mine had invited me to this big event and it was called Room to Dream. This is back when I was doing not for the, the show on ABC Family that I was telling you about, that first one. That whole show was designing rooms for kids right but we were just telling a story about the kid and essentially we'd kick the parents out and then we would go in and if the, but this is an example so let's say the kid is a big skateboarder mm -hmm. i would do a half pipe ramp headboard i would do wow. skateboard decks as their bookshelf you know and then whatever their favorite colors were whatever it was you'd walk in the room and it would just tell a story about that kid without even asking them you know you know everything you needed to know about them and so I, I walk into this gala and it's room to dream it's designing rooms for kids with terminal illnesses and all of their siblings oh. so not just the kid but their siblings as well because you know they go through a lot you know they're always put on the, the back burner you know so so I was like oh my gosh this is like everything can you imagine here i am i'm designing rooms for kids on television yeah. they're boston based i live in boston it's giving back to sick children i was like and i went right up to the the head of this organization and i said hi my name is tanya nyack and i'm going to be a part of this this <laughs> organization with you so when can we meet and i've never been so forward about anything but i was like i belong yeah. here as a part of this now i'm a board member with them but it's a wow just something i love love i love that and because for me i think about how the decisions you've made along your way from taking this chance giving yourself permission protecting it have been on tv helping so many other folks allowed you to be in a space where probably not a lot of people would have been in that that space or opportunity to help young children who are dealing with terminal illness and their family and siblings. That is just so impactful. Sorry, I said terminal. I meant chronic, chronic. not terminal. That, right. That's Make-A-Wish. I'm sorry, I meant chronic illness. Chronic. Yeah. Right. right. I right. still get the point, right? Young right, right. Who are sick and are dealing with it and navigating that. And that's so overwhelming. And like you said, still for their family, right? And I think mm -hmm. like that, the, the fact that you were able to to be in that position and then to say like this this is this is something I want to contribute to I, I think is really really great yeah 
I love it. Love, love being a part of that kind of stuff. And always as busy as life gets, always make time for it. So I have, uh, we're, you know, we're wrapping up, but before I get to like some of the questions I ask at the end, uh, there's two things that I've been thinking about as we've been talking. Um, so you're, you're on TV a lot and you partner up with lots of different people. If you could have somebody as your co-host, a dream co-host or a dream TV partner, who would that be? My husband. Really? You both have not yeah, worked together on TV? He hates being in the public eye. He's the funniest guy I know. He has the best heart. He, he's smart. When I say funny, I mean next level, like his humor. He's not a jokester. He's not a comedian kind. It's dry and it's on point when it needs wow. to be there, you know? And uh, he's grumpy, which is like part of his personality, which is actually hysterical. The two of us are completely polar opposites and, and if you had this interview with him he'd be like couple word answer he'd be the worst interviewer on a podcast <laughs> you're like say more <laughs> yeah yeah and and <laughs> you're leaning in waiting well that's been a great five minute show ladies and gentlemen yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly but he is just, uh, I think the two of us bounce off each other really well. And because he's a restaurateur, I've designed all of his restaurants. We, we just, we've learned a way to work together really well, you know, and we, um, yeah, we're just, we kind of are yin and yang. And it's pretty funny, I think, in my opinion. So I think he'd be a great co-host. Well, I think that's awesome. And, you know, when I, you know, part of my own belief, right, when I have my own show or a part of a show's, uh, I could I could totally see my wife and I doing something and you know I've even had thoughts about what that could be but she's very similar in terms of like she's not necessarily trying to be in the public eye like that but when she is she kills it and she cries. yeah yeah so, yeah uh, I could totally see awesome. that. my my <laughs> other thought is if if you could have like a a dream person that you could help design their home or uh, business or restaurant. Tom Brady. Uh, of your husband. Oh. <laughs> oh, 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 Tom Brady. Forgot, right? They're up in the, <laughs> so tell me why, why Tom Brady? I just, one, I think they have impeccable taste. I think they would be fun to work with. You know, they have a lot of homes. So when they, I feel like they would probably give a little liberty and be like, here, have at it, you know? And of course, the Boston thing and the Tom Brady thing and the Giselle thing. <laughs> I just think all of it. That's a show in itself, it. right? Just that, just yeah, the Brady. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and from a restaurant standpoint, if Tom Brady did open a restaurant, it would be such a cool, unique concept, you know, with his, his whole TB12 diet and, um, you know, vegan lifestyle and all that. So cool. Not bad. I don't know. You know, Tom Brady was, you know, had his reunion back in uh, New England not that long ago. And mm -hmm. I think like that's pretty cool. So yeah, I guess, you know, maybe I'm the first to hear, you know, Tanya celebrity, <laughs> Tanya Nyack celebrity, interior designer, TV star, hookups uh, with the Brady's uh, and does something powerful. I, I could see that happening. <laughs> And no one's ever asked me that before, and I've never had an answer for that. It's funny to me that it just came so quickly. <laughs> but I could weird actually. It. 
I could totally see <laughs> that. That could be pretty cool. Like you said, between you know their spaces, their personality, uh, their taste, uh, it could pretty. It could probably be a really cool thing to see and to watch. Mm -hmm. Especially now, I think that they're getting a little bit more open to having people see a part of their life because I think for the most part, Tom Brady was right. very. Very private, very reserved, mm -hmm. and very quiet. Like you're seeing a little bit more of him and his family. So who knows? Who knows? So we'll see. <laughs> as, as we end, uh, there's a last few questions I ask. Uh, one, I wanted to find out if there's anything that you are currently working on, or anything that uh, is uh, something that you are a project that you're involved in right now uh, that you can share with us. Sure, absolutely. So I. I'm getting ready to hit the road to start filming the great Christmas light fight. And um, yeah, this is now our 10th season of which I've done eight of them for. So the great Christmas light fight, it's a show where I travel all around the country and I scope out the wildest, most insane, crazy, over the top Christmas light displays in America. And uh, it's myself and Carter Osterhaus, who's also a fellow veteran HGTV friend. And so between the two of us, we're, we're never together. We're always you know, we have a short window of time to yeah. get these lights when people put them up and before Christmas. So um, that's coming up. So I'm getting ready to film that. And then on every episode, we pick a winner and that winner gets $50,000. Not enough to probably pay their electric bills, but at the same time, <laughs> everyone's going LED now, so it's fine. <laughs> and then um, in addition to that, we just got picked up for our 20th season of Restaurant Impossible. 20 wow. season. I've been filming the show for 13 years now. Yeah, 13. Awesome. We've grown up together. And in fact, there was a ritual I wanted to tell you about at the end of Restaurant Impossible that we do, because I know that's something um, yeah. that you like to hear about. Which, um, But yeah, so that that is also um, still pending, uh, not pending, still going, like we're still rolling along with it. And then there's a new one that I'm just in the paperwork signing process. So I'll keep you posted on that one. But when we talk about full circle and every single thing that we talked about on this podcast mm. between charity, designing, life, fulfillment, it's all rolled up into this one gorgeous package for this particular show. Wow. So as soon as I, I get the green light and I know that everything's all set and ready, I'll, I'll keep you posted. But wow. really, I'm excited for it. I'm yeah. excited for you. I mean, we, we heard it here first, right? Time yeah, yeah. three shows <laughs> currently and and th three different ways to impact people and their thoughts and the design and fun and giving back. And I mean, these are just really, uh, really awesome things. And I'm glad that you were able to share. And I can't wait to hear this other thing that you're working on. And, yeah, yeah. And as you mentioned that, maybe, you know, now might be a good point before I ask you these last two questions. What is the rituals or things that you might do before or after some of the engagement that you have? So it was, it's funny because the whole ritual thing, a lot of times when I go in on a set, I'm coming in a little bit after the whole team's already there, you know, with setting up and everything. So they might have their own rituals. But one of the rituals that um, that we do, and it's really Robert Irvine, Chef Robert Irvine, who is the main host of, of Restaurant Impossible, who spearheads this. He comes across as a bit of a tough guy on camera, but his faith and his um, belief in humanity and just good people holding them accountable, his loyalty to the military, um, he he's such a great human. So at the end of every shoot that we do and everybody's working their butts off 
just, it's a 24 hour makeover of an entire restaurant. Wow. We have people that come in out of the woodworks that want to come and help us and just work tirelessly for people they don't even know, mm. right? These restaurant owners, they don't know them. And so at the end, he'll usually gather us all together and we'll all just talk about the experience. People share stories. Uh, People explain why they're there, what brought them there, why it was so important that, for them to give back. A lot of people end up crying. There's tears. There's, you know, and then we ended it. And this is usually, this is a little moment before the reveal, but after the make. So after the makeover, they have to go in and do their after shots. Mm -hmm. So there's usually about 45 minutes to an hour wait before we do the reveal. So this is when he takes the time where any other host of a show could just go in their trailer or wherever and just sit quietly and take a breather and take a minute, which is fair enough. They're allowed to do working that. You know, they hard, just yeah. working hard, but he doesn't, he fuels himself off of getting everyone together and making sure that, that everybody is heard and everybody's thanked and you know, that, that they're appreciated. And it's really, it's an awesome thing. And for a little while, because of COVID, we weren't able to do it oh. and it impacted you could feel it across the board how people felt were different. No, I, I can just think about how that cements the work, right? That adds to the foundation of, like, yes, it's TV. Yes, it's fun. It's drama. It's entertainment. But this is impacting lives, right? Like, that's mm -hmm. what I hear of that. Like, this is, and you chose to show up today to impact the life. Tell me why. Let's share this with each other. Let's yeah. have community in that moment mm -hmm. and honor the, the what we all just Absolutely. did. Absolutely, that sounds really powerful. That's exactly it. Is it really? It's a, it's really special. And then it also gives all these people who are just uber fans of Robert or myself or Tom or Builder to have a moment to chat and to take photos and you know not feel like they just came in and and were, you know, not recognized or acknowledged, yeah, or heard. Last two questions. What does mental wellness mean for you? I will tell you that growing up, I've always felt like a happy kid. Always, always just went through my life. No medications, no anything, whatever. So I didn't really understand it, to be very frank. I didn't really get it. You know, if someone was having a bad day, I'd be like, come on, just chair up, it's fine. You know what I mean? I'm a yeah. pat on the back, you're fine. You know, I think now after these last couple of years, I really can understand a bit more, you know, because I feel like I'm going through my own certain things too. And, and I see it amongst my employees, amongst friends and things that they're going through. So what mental wellness means to me is being able to to get up and function and feel good and, and, and live your best life. You know, I'm still learning. I'm still trying to grasp a lot of it. Um, but I know it's out there and I know it's, you know, mental wellness I know is one thing, but mental illness is, is another thing. And I don't know, I'm learning, but I, I just, I hope for everybody's sake and myself that people can kind of reach within and, and be able to, focus on more positive and, and, and gratitude. Yeah, I think those are some really significant things that you've shared today about positivity, gratitude, you know, giving yourself permission as we've talked about. 
and knowing that it's okay to be happy and to choose some happy moments, uh, even if it feels like it starts in disappointment. And so I could hear how that connects to what you said about mental wellness and the importance mm -hmm. of it. Uh, what mental wellness advice would you give to your younger self? And that could be as early as yesterday or many years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. I would just say uh, be okay with saying no every once in a while. Make sure you pause, hit the pause button and take some time for yourself. I also, I had just posted the other day on Instagram that uh, it was a picture of my husband and I, and it was just saying something that I think that a lot of times we put more energy on the negative things in our lives when really we should put more energy on the things that are good that we take for granted. How many times you have your family right there yeah. and all your energy is focused on something bad that's going on at work or whatever, something someone said to you or the way someone made you feel when you can look right there and just say, you know what? I'm gonna shift that, I'm shifting it. I wanna focus on this more and that less. Yeah, no, I, so love I wish that. I told myself that a long time ago. <laughs> well, I, I love that you share that. And I think that is something that we can tell ourselves is something I can tell myself, right, of just being in the moment and appreciated and having perspective is really what I heard. Tanya, this has just been great. Uh, this has been Leapcast. We've been talking about lots of different moments of uh, her amazing career, Tanya's amazing career, uh, from a celebrity interior designer, been on so many different networks from ABC, HGTV, Food Network, uh, have three shows working on right now, <laughs> but really your heart, your compassion, your drive, your, your dedication to really making people's spaces bright not just their living spaces, but their life. And I could just hear that. So really, thank you for joining uh, the, the podcast today. Thanks, Dr. George. You're the best. This was really great. And I, I love talking to you. You're so easy to talk to. And I think that a lot of people are going to get a lot from your podcast. Thank you. Wow. What an incredible ride we just went on with another great member of the Leapcast community. I appreciate you listening and hope you got some tangible value from the episode. Please let us know what you think by leaving a comment, rating, and review. As always, please don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Dr. George James, and I'll see you next time.